2: Most of us are in one of three categories. We're either turning our world upside down, we're being turned upside down by the world, or we're just wondering, which end is up? Some of you have found this secret, and you're turning your world upside down. reading through Proverbs 3 this morning because it's the third day of the month and and I first came to my life verses I love those in fact yesterday I was sitting with Anaya we had a little bit of a long time and she was just sitting on my leg and and I began to, to try to help her memorize Proverbs 3 5 and 6 trust in the Lord with all your heart lean not into your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path So as I was reading through that this morning, I was just thanking God for those verses and and how even in the last 24 hours, he's helped me with that. But then I came to verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce, and then your barns will be filled with plenty. And I'm reminded that God's word says it over and over and over again. When we give God our first and our best, he takes care of all the rest. That's true in our giving, but it's not just a giving principle. It's being all in for his glory. And that's what Paul did. Verse 2 and 3, it says, Paul went in as was his custom on the Sabbath, and he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer, to raise from the dead, saying, this Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. It says he went in on three Sabbath days. How long does that tell us it was? Three weeks. Three weeks. So for 3 weeks he goes into the city and every day he's in the synagogue. You know what I call that? All in. Say all in. all in. Well, let's look at the next city, Berea, verse 11. Now when the Jews there, they were more noble than those in Thessalonica, they received the word with all eagerness and they examined the scripture daily to see if these things were so. So daily, he was still in the synagogue, daily they were reasoning and explaining the scriptures. You know what I call that? All in. Look at verse 17. It says, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews, the devout persons, and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Now this is interesting because first I want you to know there's that word again, reasoned. It's a word that means he dialogued using his mind. And make no doubt today that the Christian faith is one with which you can use your mind. God expects you to use your mind. It may be a surprise to you that it was us, it was Christians who started the first colleges. It was us, it was Christians who first challenged society to think. Somewhere along the way, we made it all about experience. And hear me, I am so grateful that I can raise my hands and praise to God and my emotions flow. But I want you to understand that our faith is not simply experiential. Our faith is one that can be reasoned. It is reasonable. And so every day. He would go first to the church. And why would he first go to the synagogue? Because religion doesn't save. And that's why, by the way, just in case you're curious, that's why every time you show up for church here, you're going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because we believe that even folks who gather here in this setting need to know the way to be saved because some have been religious, others have been through a lot of ritual, but many have never truly experienced what it means to surrender everything to King Jesus. So he went first to the church, and then he goes to the civic place, the marketplace. See, when you're all in, that's what you do. You take it with you. Your your faith is not just something you express here. It's out at your neighborhood. It's at your job. It's in the classroom. It's in your social organizations. Paul was determined to do whatever it takes, wherever he was that reminds me of something I wonder if you could say this with me we call it our mission let's say it together at Mission Hill Church we want to do whatever it takes wherever we are to shine with the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill let me just ask you today are you all in? are you doing whatever it takes wherever you are? There's a third thing. If you want to make a difference right where you are, you have to keep it simple. You have to keep it simple. So Jesus was asked by a gentleman one night, Hey, this kingdom of God you're talking about, how do I get in on that? What do I have to do to enter the kingdom of God? And Jesus' response is probably the most famous verse in all of the Bible. If you know it, say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever... Wait, 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 what? So that whosoever... So whosoever believeth in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. So Jesus set this course that what it takes to enter the kingdom of God... Belief, crazy and so then the apostle paul would begin to take this message around the known world and he would come in contact with people like the philippian jailer and the philippian jailer when the world began to shake and he was scared out of his boots and he saw that the chains had been broken he turned to paul and silas and he says hey what does it take for a person to be saved and paul said what believe on the lord jesus christ Maybe the most simple summary is, is found in, in Romans where Paul would say, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believing in your the, the heart that God raised him from the dead, you, you'll be saved. That's simple. And we've, we've spent the last 2,000 years complicating it. You want to have a relationship with God? Change your actions. You want to have a relationship with God? Come to church. You want to have a relationship with God? Cut your hair. You want to have a relationship with God? Sing this way. We've overcomplicated what God made simple. If you want to make a difference, you've got to understand you don't have to write the script. It's simple. The person who may well be the greatest missionary who ever lived, the guy we're reading about, the Apostle Paul, he had a simple strategy. Let me give it to you. First of all, he had a real burden. He had a real burden. So maybe you would ask this question, is your heart broken for the things that breaks the heart of God? Look at verse 16. While Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. So I've been to Athens. Hopefully one day some of you can go back to Athens with me and we'll tour around these journeys of the Apostle Paul. But the first time I went to that city, it's amazing because you see these architectural creations from so many years ago. You see them standing there and you're like, whoa. You're like, wow. That's, that's the experience of a tourist. The Apostle Paul had a different experience. He goes in and he sees all the idol worshiping. And he says, Whoa. Wow. It was said of Athens, there were more gods than men. And and Paul saw that, and the word that is used in the Greek language says he was provoked. It made him angry a real burden. I wonder how many of us as Christ followers carry a real burden for the lostness of this world. When, When you drive through a street in our community that has changed and maybe the establishments that were once good establishments have been replaced with what look to be a little more creepy massage parlors or, or maybe bars or nightclubs that don't look to be the most promising places. Do you just turn your head and think of how it's going down or does it burn in your heart for the lostness and the brokenness in people's lives? Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. You can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. How many of you have at least one person that you're praying for to begin a relationship with Christ? Let me see your hands. So see, that's that's where we think about our burden. We ask that question, who's your one? Who's your one? He had a real burden, but he was also ready to have gospel conversations. He was ready to have gospel conversations. You know, the Bible talks about our readiness In many places. In 2 Timothy 4, it says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. In 1 Peter 3, Peter says, in your hearts, honor Christ as Lord, as holy, and be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. So was Paul ready? You better believe it. Look at verse 17. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day. With those who happen to be there. I'm gonna give you an assignment. I want you to be ready this week. Be ready to have gospel conversations. And if I can remember, I'm gonna ask you next week did you have a gospel conversation? Now, what's a gospel conversation? It's not the same as a gospel presentation. I'm not saying you have to walk down the Roman Road. I'm not saying you have to go through one of those presentations maybe you've learned in your life. I learned one called Faith. I learned one called CWT. I learned one called EE. I heard of one called Win. I'm thinking there's probably Wow and whoopee. I don't know. You don't have to have a, a presentation, but I'm asking you to have a gospel conversation. It may look like this. Maybe it's when you go to lunch today and someone serves you and you ask them their name and you just tell them. Hey, in in just a few minutes, we're gonna pray over our food as our custom is. Um, Is there anything going on in your life I can pray for you about? Sometimes they'll say yes, sometimes they'll say no. If they say yes, maybe all you have to say is this Hey, I just want you to know the reason I pray is because I know my God loves me and He cares about the things in my life. And I want you to know He loves you too. That's a gospel conversation you're qualified to do that are you having gospel conversations let me give you a third thing he also recognized his setting and he communicated with relevance how many of you understand that in our diverse world there are many different ways people respond to the truth of the gospel That's why we try to be creative in our church and do some different things to present that unchanging truth. We want to be relevant to where people are without changing the message. We want to constantly examine our methods. Look at verse 18. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. Now, the Epicureans, these were kind of some interesting folks. Uh, they kind of had a life philosophy founded by this guy, Epicurus, and it was all about pleasure. It was all about how I felt. I want to feel good, man. I just want to enjoy life. So if I'm going to eat, man, let me just eat till my stomach hurts. If I'm going to drink, let me just get blasted. Let me drink till I throw up. If I'm going to have sex, let me have sex with as many people as possible. In fact, let's make that a religion. Let's just have sex at the temple. See, Epicureans all about pleasure enjoy life if there's a god he wants me just to enjoy life and then there were the stoics the stoics they didn't want to enjoy life they just wanted to endure life (laughs) they you know god's everywhere we're not sure what's going on let's just endure it let's make it through and then comes paul and, and paul's about to tell him hey it's not just about enjoying life it's not about enduring life i want to show you how to enter into a life you've never known look at what he says And some said, well, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and they brought him to the Areopagus saying, may we know what this new teaching is you're presenting? For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know these things and what they mean. And again, Scripture reminds us that every person who's ever been created is created with a God-shaped void. That person in your corner of the world that doesn't know Christ, though they may not realize it, though they they may not know how to express it, they have a need for God that when you find that right hook into their lives, they'll they'll begin to say, tell me more. So, all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling and hearing something new. Look at verse 22. It says, Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive in every way you're very religious. Now, that's what he didn't say. He didn't say, If you don't turn, you're going to burn. If you deny, you will fry. He didn't say, You guys got to join the church. He didn't say, to start with, cut your hair. Stop having sex with everybody you see. Stop drinking everything that comes before you. Stop eating so much, you bunch of fat pigs. He didn't say any of that. He saw them where they were and he said, "I, I see you're very religious. But then that's where it gets interesting. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God, literally in the Greek, agnosticus, from which we get the word agnostic, which means if there's a God, I can't know him, nobody can know him. So you're covering your bases, Paul said. You've got all these idols you worship, and just in case you think you missed one, you've even got a statue, an idol out here that says, this is for the unknown God. And then he says, I want to tell you about the God you don't know. If you're a Christ follower, you've got one job. Do you ever watch that on ESPN. There's a little segment on ESPN about sports. It's called, you had one job. And so they show different kind of sports clips. Like yesterday morning, I was watching it and there was this guy playing high school ball coach and uh, he he caught the ball, but he got confused and he couldn't remember which way he was running. And so he ran this way and then he turned around and they're like, you had one job. (laughs) If you're a Christ follower, you've really just got one job your job is to build relationships with the people in your little corner of the world and help turn the world upside down by introducing them to the God they do not know the one true God and we have what follows is one of the most beautiful passages of scripture I would encourage you to go read it verse 24 through the end of the chapter that's where we get the song we sometimes sing that says in him we live and move and have our being. It's how we talk about God being our breath and our, our life and everything. But can I just summarize what the Apostle Paul says, some, some basic truths he says about this God that they do not know. First, he says, you need to understand the authority of God. God. He's the creator. There is one true God, and he's the king, and he's in charge, and he's a big God, the authority of God. And then he says, but then you need to understand the generosity of God. Not only is everything you see created by God, everything you have is given by God. Do you know that? It's biblical. Every good and perfect gift comes down from above. Anything good in your life, God gave it to you. He's the authority. He's a God of generosity. Then he said, you need to know about the proximity of God. And he uses this phrase. He says, he's not far from any of you. Isn't that awesome? And maybe today you need to be reminded of that, that no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've been through, God is near to you. The God who created everything, the God who gives everything, that God is close to you. And he's especially close if you're one of the brokenhearted. And then he wraps it up by reminding them about the vitality of God. He says, this God, the God who created everything, this God who gave you everything, the God who is near, he's alive. He's not like all these idols. You can knock them over and they'll crash into a billion pieces. Not our God. He's a living God. (laughs) And then he sums up this message. This message in this world-class city of Athens by reminding them of three things that I remind you of today he tells them that this unknown God this one you can't find that God desires to be found and then he says this unknown God you can find him but then he says this unknown God You better find him because one day we will all account before the one true God. It's amazing how I watch in scripture, the simplicity of the apostle Paul. But there's one last truth I see as I look at Acts 17. How do we turn our world upside down? How do we make a difference right where we are? If you want to make a difference right where you are, you have to leave the results to God. Remember what I told you when we were reading about Paul's time in Thessalonica? Some people receive, some people reflect, some people reject. I haven't found this organization yet. But if it exists, I need to join. And if I join, the meeting would begin probably by me standing up and saying this, hi, my name is Paul and I'm a control freak. (laughs) Anybody else want to join that organization? You need that? Yeah, we struggle with that, don't we? We want to control, we want to affect the outcome, we want to make things happen. And then we have children and we realize we can't even control our very own offspring. <laughs> so why would we think that when it comes to the most important things, the things that affect eternity, the things that impact our world and even have the ability to turn it upside down, why would we think that that's in our control? No. We just have to be faithful. And leave the results to God. I think there's a reason that scripture calls us ambassadors. For you are my ambassadors. It doesn't call us politicians. Those two people live in the same world, ambassadors and politicians. But a politician is trying to get something ultimately for their benefit. An ambassador has one job. You're just representing the king. You are ambassadors for Christ. Turn your world upside down. Are you doing it? Are you turning your world upside down? I want to pray with you in just a moment, but before I do, I want to remind you, you'll never impact your little corner of the world for Jesus unless your world has been impacted for Jesus. So whenever I open the scriptures and come to a passage like this, the first thing I need to do is ask, have I made Jesus the king of my life?
1: You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support.